Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. disagree, but I truly feel like if you don't have a plan at tight end heading into your fantasy football draft, you're going to miss out. And I want to point out that late round tight ends last year absolutely smashed. You had your Dalton Schultz's, your, your Dawson Knox. Rob Gronkowski was absolutely amazing. So today, later on in the show, some of our late round tight ends that we are really crossing our fingers that will really pay off for all of you. And the basis of my tight end strategy is looking at which stats matter. And most of them are yards stats. Yards per game was the most predictive from one season to the next. So that's the foundation. And part two of this is finding the regression candidates in the red zone. We're going to be looking at routes run in the red zone. I have a touchdown regression model. We'll go over that. And then finding some of these young players, I think, that are going to be into a new role that some of these stats aren't even going to be able to uh, uh, figure figure out how to, how to incorporate them into. Yeah. And for you, I know that you and best ball really like doing three later round tight ends. If you're missing out on like the top dozen per se in redraft, we don't want all of you to have to stream tight ends each and every week that turns your fantasy football season into a slog. So we'll tell you when the cutoff mark is that you need to take one of these top guys. Here it is. Our tight end tiers list, one final tight end rankings show for the rest of the season. And we start off in tier one. Three names, actually two tied for the top, but we'll kick it off with Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs, a man that hasn't missed a game due to injury since his rookie season back in 2013. What always stands out to me for Travis Kelsey, among the league leaders at every position, including wide receivers and 15-plus yard receptions over the past three seasons, names like Mike Evans, Tyree Kill, you can put Travis Kelsey right on that list too. Yeah, last year he's first in routes run per game. The tight end two in yards per game was 75 of them. He was the 15th overall player. Uh, he goes a little bit earlier than where I want to be drafting him just because there's some, if you squint a little bit, some of the decline you can see with Travis Kelsey. First of all, last year, 1.9 yards per route run. He was tight end four versus man from 2016 to 2020. His lowest was at 2.1 yards per route run. I think the other thing is just snaps in general. He's gone from 95% snaps to 92 to 86 last year was 82 per game he's 33 years old uh if you're looking at the tight ends historically who were tight end ones eight fantasy points or more as 32 year olds the next season their production drops by 20 percent. so I, I view him as a round two player he goes on the round one two border i'm comfortable with him like 18th 20th overall Ooh, i like some get of, him i'm not going to get him that much because I'll, I'll be drafting the next guy yeah 134 targets 92 receptions last year six straight 1000 yard seasons the man that we have connected to him as our tight end one is actually mark andrews who led all tight ends last season and half point ppr with 235 points 14.7 per game hayden which would have made him the wide receiver seven overall and sure it's completely true that he went nuclear towards the end of last season with tyler huntley 
other quarterbacks in the fold. But if you just focus in on Lamar Jackson, he was still through 13 weeks, the tight end two in points per game as well. Yeah, going back to the beginning of the show, yards per game and fantasy points per game are the two most predictive. And he was number one in both of those categories last year. He was second in routes run per game. He only runs routes. He doesn't block. Like, he's only running routes. And he's basically the Ravens' number one pass catcher. Unlike Travis Kelsey, he is truly in the prime of his career. So I actually have him one spot ahead of Travis Kelsey in my overall rankings. I have him both like 16th, 17th, 18th overall in that range. I can get Mark Andrews. I'm not really getting that much Travis Kelsey. We'll see if I'm wrong. Yeah, you'll see the Baltimore Ravens go five wide with two tight ends, two wide receivers, one running back. They'll go in empty formation. We'll maybe get to another one of his teammates who has really come out of nowhere during the preseason as a rookie. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs do a little bit of a similar thing this year with multiple tight end sets, fullback yeah. formations as well. But everything, the passing game in Baltimore revolves around Mark Andrews and it's the same exact thing in Kansas City with Travis Kelsey too. And it's both categories. It's zone and man. Last year, Mark Andrews was top five uh, among tight ends in both categories, yards per hour run versus zone and versus man. He truly is like an elite player. I'm not sure if everyone realizes how good of an actual player. Like, go watch some of his film. He was making some of the most ridiculous yards after catch plays and contested catch plays last season. Yeah, and by far the most 20-plus yard targets at the position last year with 21. And it wasn't just a one-case wonder even though his stats were so much better last season, because back in 2019, he also led tight ends in that category. Okay, you have to take Travis Kelsey in round one. You have to take Mark Andrews in round two. You're going to have to take Cal Pitts here in round three if you want him. I mean, yes, as a rookie, 1,000 yards last season. Not because he was a disappointment. We're just never going to be able to buy a dip in Cal Pitts because you can talk yourself into this guy just being different because Hayden, he is used differently. He had 248 inline snaps, 286 slot snaps, and 237 out wide. Again, he breaks the borders of what we view a tight end as. Last year, yards per out run versus man coverage, the top five, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase. Then it was Kyle Pitts. That's ridiculous. Over Justin Jefferson, over Deontay Johnson, easily the tight end one as a rookie, and he barely was 21 years old. So he's like a complete freak of nature. Basically, this conversation comes down to is what is he going to do in the touchdown department? And obviously, he's going to be a regression candidate. Per my model, he was the had the least touchdowns versus the expected. I think he can score five, six, seven, eight this year. And I think that would get him into close to like the Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews range here. I trust Marcus Marriott and Desmond Ritter to distribute the ball to Kyle freaking Pitts. Um, so I think in your redraft leagues, I'm going out of my way to get Kyle Pitts in round three if he's available. People hear the regression word when listening to nerds like you. Regression can also be a positive thing, right? There is such thing as positive regression. Just doesn't mean losing points. It means we're going to score more. And really last season, it boiled down to him scoring just one touchdown. You know, if he scored six, it would have put him on like a different stratosphere of what we believe the tight end position could be. And that's absolutely purely in the range of outcomes this season. It's really simple analysis to me. He just moves differently than everyone else, man. Like you're you're yeah. able to draft an X wide receiver and put him at the tight end position. It's mad. It's wild. And again, yeah. it, it breaks these borders and, and preconceived notions that we have at tight end. Okay. Yep. There goes the top tier, three names. In tier two, just two names. And we kick it off. With two men that are tied, so why don't we go over to San Francisco and go over to George Kittle. He was still third last season in fantasy points per game, half-point PPR, with 12.2. 
We've seen absurd yards after catch numbers in his past, but that's kind of taken a bit of a dip. I mean, in 2018, again, insane 9.9 yards after the catch on average, then 7.3, then 6.2, then back to 6.5 last season. We've talked about this on the wide receiver show with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. We talked about the quarterback show with Trey Lance. This offense is going to be different with Lance at quarterback, but we've also seen George Kittle make huge, massive plays down the field and outside the numbers. And I expect Trey Lance to open up that area of the playbook far more than Jimmy G did. I still think it's going to be a net negative for the quarterback because George Kittle has so much of his production underneath and over the middle where Jimmy G is at his best. And I think they're going to probably run the ball a little bit more. Um, I think the big difference outside of the quarterback change is the target competition from 2018 to 2020 when we had prime George Kittle. Uh, his minimum yards per out run were at 2.8. Last year, we dropped down all the way to 2.2. The biggest reasons is Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. In those three seasons, when he was dominating in fantasy, uh, Kendrick Bourne was the wide receiver one. Then it was rookie year, Debo Samuel. Then it was rookie year, Brandon Ayuk. We're talking about prime of the career for, for Brandon Ayuk and for Debo Samuel. Quietly, George Kittle is 29 years old. It doesn't mean that we have to panic here, right. but uh, I can see him just being a run blocker because this offensive line is so bad. And that's where I have my concerns. Even like last year, he was uh, 18th in routes run per game. So he has to be the most efficient player in the position just to kind of hold this weight. Um, and that's why I have Kyle Pitts and these other guys in a totally different tier than Darren Waller and George Kittle. Okay. Well, let's bring up Darren Waller then because he's actually your tight end for. He had what was very clearly a hold in all summer. He has now signed with Drew Rosenhaus. He wants a new deal. He played just 11 games due to a knee injury, a back injury, COVID last season. I think we yeah. all remember yeah. week one of 2021. In that one game, he had 19 targets and 10 receptions. But after that, he averaged just seven targets, five receptions, and 60 yards per contest. So if you have Darren Waller, who's had some great seasons in his past, you saw a great season at our Hunter Renfro last season. And now you bring in Devontae Adams, who's been one of the red zone kings and obviously between the 20s as well in his career during his time in Green Bay. What are we getting from Darren Waller in 2022? It's actually a very similar argument to I, the one I just made with George Kittle. From 2018 to 2020, his minimum yards per out run was at 2.3. Last year was at 1.7. I think th some of the reasons why is he's getting a little older. He was banged up last year. And also just having Henry Ruggs for half the season, then Hunter Renfro really breaking out later. Uh, the previous season, it was Nelson Aguilar. Tyrell Williams, those were the leading wide receivers. So throw in Devontae Adams, obviously, this year. And there's way more target competition than he's ever had to deal with before. Uh, also 30 years old. So um, I think that he's going to be fine. I'm glad it was a hold-in and not an injury. It sounds like yep. that's what happened this training camp. Um, but I still think he's in a tier below the, the first three. Yeah, on underdog, Darren Waller is going as the 56th overall player. George Kittle is going as the 52nd. We talked about it with Derek Carr on the quarterback show. Hopefully you tune into that tiers list as well. We expect him, and this is why we rank him higher than anyone else, basically, to have a whole bunch of touchdowns. Uh, back in 2020, Darren Waller had 22 red zone targets. He had 18 receptions, including nine receptions inside the 10-yard line that resulted in eight touchdowns. I mean, the way that they can use him in line, in the slot, out wide as an X wide receiver, too, with all three of those pieces – as soon as he's getting a target inside the 10, it certainly sounds like he's going to score a touchdown. And look, there's a there's a huge cliff after these top names, too. Yeah, and he is a positive regression to candidate, too. And I think that's the next part is like Dalton Schultz is nowhere near the tight end on tape on like the efficiency stats as these top five. Well, let's jump into that tier three.
a tier three grouping that travels from Dalton Schultz's ADP of 72 all the way down to Zach Ertz's ADP of 110. It's a huge, huge window here, but we kick it off with Dalton Schultz, a man who last year saw 104 targets, 78 receptions, 808 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now he's playing on the franchise tag. When we went back this summer and reviewed all the film, it's probably up on your screen right now. What we saw with Dalton Schultz, I don't think I can put him up there among the league leading like man beaters in terms of man-to-man coverage. He's just not the same talent as the names we've talked about and some of the names we're about to talk about. Yards per out run versus zone coverage, 1.9. That's like top 10 numbers. Yards per out run versus man coverage drops all the way down to one flat, which is like bottom 10. It's just the way that he wins. The good news is there's so many routes available. He was seventh in routes run per game last season. There is no tight end behind him that I'm concerned about. There's no wide receivers unless Michael Gallup's healthier than expected. So I think he's going to be there. He's going to soak up a ton of volume. And there's a chance that there's so much volume in this offense that he can even break into the next tier. I just don't think he has like tight end one overall, tight end two, tight end three overall in his range of outcomes per se. Um, But I think in the seventies, I can warm up to this, especially in redraft. I wasn't in like these best ball tournaments. I'm not sure if I really loved the ceiling outcome, but I think in your redraft league, if you missed on the top three, top five, I'm okay with Dalton Schultz. I think I would rather roll the dice on one of these next names, but I think I'm beginning to to feel comfortable at least that he's just going to have so many targets, especially in full PPR. Yeah. The volume is almost too big to fail. For, for Dalton Schultz. I mean, it's flat routes, it's delays, it's curls, it's screens. I posted on our YouTube channel a poll saying, hey, which of these tight ends from, again, tight end six all the way down to tight end 10, do you want to draft the most? By far and away, everyone to draft Dalton Schultz. I was a bit surprised by this. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jeff Cavanaugh, who are really good friends with, who does a good job covering the Cowboys, says, hey, man, Dak Prescott just loves throwing the football. So, like, the yeah. volume's going to be there. Okay. So, our tight end seven, which is way above ADP is Dawson Knox. There's so much to love about Dawson Knox and the Buffalo Bills. And it's amazing the the career arc he's had so far. 39 total receptions in four years at Ole Miss. Now, this past season, 71 targets, 49 catches, 587 yards, and nine touchdowns. And most importantly, Hayden, the second most targets inside the 10 among all tight ends last year. We know the outside wide receivers. It's Stephon Diggs. It's Gabriel Davis. Isaiah McKenzie has emerged in the slot. But Dawson Knox has now firmly put himself as, I believe, a full-time player, an explosive player in explosive passing offense. I hear negative touchdown regression candidate with Dawson Knox every single time I bring him up, but he was still second, tied for second in expected touchdowns because, you know, he plays for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills who are always in the red area. So I, I'm a believer in Dawson Knox. This could be like the year four breakouts. Sometimes it takes a little bit of development. I think in particular for Dawson Knox, he's good at the hard part of the game. Against man coverage, he's a tight end seven in yards per route run. Uh, he's awesome down the seam. That's He's a broken play type of player, and we know Josh Allen loves that. He was a, one of the worst in yards per route run versus zone. My theory with this is that's the part that requires development. Where am I uh, sitting in zones uh, against defenses? you got to have a, a little more comfort. And I think with O.J. Howard out of the picture, he is going to be out there for every single snap. If something happens to Gabe Davis or Steph Diggs, even if they're both healthy, I think Dawson Knox is just yards against zone are going to go up just because you feel a little more comfortable in this offense. He, to me, he's the one that could finish as like the tight end four this year. Yep. I'm right there with you. Movement is so similar to what Mark Andrews has done previously. And then Mark Andrews kind of took the step in terms of being so adept 
in zone coverage. And I don't know if there's a team out there that goes empty out of 11 personnel more often than the Buffalo Bills. So they'll create mismatches and he'll be able to win. I'm drafting so much Dawson Knox. He's yeah. absolutely, other than the name we're going to talk about later on, the number one player I've drafted the most this summer. And if you still have not drafted, or if you have, and you still want to scratch that itch a little bit more, go play best ball on underdog fantasy. You can go and win $2 million in first place to best ball mania three winner. I mean, the, the place to play is that underdog. All you have to do is draft. There's no waivers there. There's no trades. There's no sending your lineups each and every week. We'll do the optimal lineup for you. And if you've never played, I don't know how you've made it 20 minutes into the show. Uh, but once you start, you will not stop. So go and play best ball on underdog. Okay. You don't have to be, go through waiver wire hell no. on best ball. That's the big advantage, especially for tight end show. Especially for tight end. So keep that in mind as you go through these later names. You're like, I don't want to draft these guys. Well, play best ball. <laughs> play best ball. It's the easy answer. Dallas Goddard is our tight end eight. He eats up ground after the catch. And I'm going to actually gonna take a narrative-based approach here and go to my buddy Bo Wolf from The Athletic, who ranked Dallas Goddard as like the 13th most important Philadelphia Eagle this season. Quote, Brown's arrival has made Goddard's dominance a little quieter in training camp, but he's been great. I see Goddard ranked as the number seven or number eight tight end in most fantasy football rankings, which perplexes me. He led all tight ends in yards per route run last year and will be constantly fed by Jalen Hurts. Your thoughts? That would require the Eagles to pass the ball a ton, which we know philosophically the front office wants that to happen. I'm with you. Dallas Goddard is very good at the game. It just really comes down to target competition. I think that's like the last hurdle for Dallas Goddard. Uh, last year when this offense was really run heavy, he was 22nd in routes run per game. And that's kind of preventing him to be in that top five fantasy tight end mix but if the eagles do pass the ball more like they'd have in the preseason like we think the front office wants to do that's how you can kind of get him into the top five uh with a little bit of upside so i'm, I'm okay with dallas guard he goes like in the 90s um on underdog i think that's appropriate price for him okay our tight end nine is tj hawkinson i gotta be honest with you this is just a blind spot for me in so many drafts i'll take him at this spot if he falls but almost certainly in your league he'll go above this he might go as a tight end seven or tight end eight overall um i think part of it is hayden i focus so much on when dan campbell took over as the play caller how amon ross st brown went to the moon and so much of that was the middle field targets now tj hawkinson you know missed everything from week 14 and beyond and he had some really good games but zero of 100 yards last season and just four total touchdowns so like to me we still haven't gotten the full who was tj hawkinson with these quote-unquote new play callers at the lions out of 23 qualifying tight ends he was the tight end 13 in yards per run versus man coverage tight end 11 in zone maybe he's just an above average player and not a superstar and instead I think, of the top 20 pick he was in the right, nfl draft right and i think that some of these stats you would hope that they would be better um, when he wasn't competing with targets with Amon Ross, St. Brown, uh, DJ Chark, eventually Jameson Williams too. So I'm a little bit concerned that he's just not good enough to overcome the target competition and how mediocre the efficiency in this offense is going to be. So he's just one of those names I just haven't been drafting. Yeah, DeAndre Swift, throw him in there as well. Okay, the tight end 10, Zach Ertz. 81 total targets in 11 games with the Arizona Cardinals last season. 50 yards per contest. In the final four weeks of the regular season, he was even crazier. This was without DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, is suspended for the first six games of this season. He had 11 targets per contest in those. Hayden, I mean, volume is king at times with tight end. We've seen Zach Ertz. We've laughed at him in the past because he's been a catch-and-fall player with the Philadelphia Eagles. 
he found a little spring in his step in Arizona too. He could run a little bit. Yeah, expected half PPR points per game last year was at eight with the Eagles. It was up to 10.6 with the Cardinals. Obviously, that was with DeAndre Hopkins sideline for the later part of the season. But he was 10th in routes run per game. He's going to be out there. The Cardinals also gave him the fifth most money at the position, which is probably just bad for the Cardinals sake. But that means that they really value him. So this is really just, are you going to beat Father Time? And we've seen Zach Ertz seem to be losing that battle at times already. So that's the bet that you have to be making. There does seem to be a a cliff when you're looking at just routes uh, combined with how good the offense is after Zach Ertz. But for the most part, since he just goes so close to Dawson Knox, I haven't been drafting so much Zach Ertz because I just want to be drafting Dawson Knox like a round earlier. Yeah, and I think Zach Ertz pick is slight bet against Rondell Moore as well because they may they might occupy somewhere the similar areas of the field it was interesting that they gave him the fifth most money as you said and then with their first draft pick with so many holes and not having a first round selection they draft another tight end but maybe they want to be more multiple you know with Trey McBride I think just the Cardinals aren't a good organization that that could that could be it too uh speaking of not being good I want to exit every single one of my drafts with one of these top 10 names if I'm in redraft if I'm in redraft okay I do not want to play the spin the wheel, the musical chairs of tight ends as we go along here. Now, as you said, in best ball, from these names 11 and beyond, you can draft three of them and feel really good because we'll pick your whoever scores a touchdown basically is in your starting lineup each week. In redraft, it gets more complicated. So I'm really forcing myself to exit once again my league with one of those top 10 names. So I think for the most part, we feel very good. If you looked at um, any of our Yahoo ESPN shows or our wide receiver rankings, we feel very good about finding the values at wide receiver. To me, most of my redraft leagues are going to be two running backs and either Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts and in, in round two or round three. And then I'm going to get into the wide receivers and quarterback. So that's a redraft strategy that I, I've been enjoying a lot this year. Okay. Well, we have to do it. We have to drop down to tier four. Again, you're going from Zach Ertz, who was the 109, who's just eight spots later in Cole Komet. But this tier goes all the way from Cole Komet down to, I don't know, Hunter Henry. And I mean, his ADP is way, way, way later at 151 overall. So these gaps, again, at the onesie positions are gigantic. Cole Komet, just quickly. I think we can argue about like maybe the talent as an individual, if he can ever be like a top seven name, someone like Dawson Knox. But what we've seen from the preseason so far, talk about lack of target competition. They are force-feeding him the football over the middle of the field a lot on these extended plays, escaped rollouts, so on and so forth. And he's, you know, the crossing route over the middle of the field for Justin Fields to hit. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm struggling with Cole Komet. I don't think that he should be the tight end 11. Um, this preseason, he did only have a route participation of 63% last year. His route uh, route rate was at 83%, which is actually w- well below a lot of the elite tight ends because he can block a little bit. And a lot of the play action concepts require that tight end to stay in. And I just don't think that he has the elite skill set that we're looking for to, to truly break out. I think he's going to be fine just because he is clearly the number two target in this offense. Um, I just don't see like the true ceiling here, but he is young. So I guess there's some theoretical upside. I think one of the next names is my favorite uh, tight end too. Well, before we get into that, I'll go with my overall tight end 11 and it's Pat Fryermuth, the second year guy. And if Kyle Pitts wasn't in last year's draft class, I think a lot of people would be much more excited about Pat Fryermuth. I mean, I love his movement. I love his toughness. As a rookie, he led the Steelers in catches and touchdowns inside of the 20 yard line. What's there not to love? And look, only 75% or excuse me, 75% of his total targets 
or nine yards or less. Okay. So just one target last season of 20 plus yards. We've already seen it with Kenny Pickett, that catch it over the middle of the field with the anticipation. The offense is going to be expanded with Kenny Pickett and maybe even Mitchell Trubisky. So I want to get on the second year, even dip. I think we're able to get with Pat Fryermuth here as the tight end 12. I feel very confident he's going to be a good player in this league. I am a little concerned about just the overall target competition combined yeah. with the efficiency. If we're expecting a George Pickens breakout, all of a sudden, how are you divvying up all the targets here? Um, so I think that's what's going to be preventing him from getting into that top five, top eight type of mix. But I think you could run well, just that he's just dominating and takes a second year leap. Yeah, and touchdowns are so important. And he is like the key player for them in, in the red zone. Okay. The player that we are above everyone else on that we want to put into this fourth tier of tight ends is David and Joku. And it's not yep. just us. It's also his head coach and Kevin Stefanski quote. We certainly want to feature in Joku. He's a big part of the plan that we have. There's no doubt about that. But I'm most impressed with, with David is he's becoming a complete tight end. So we've seen a part-time player in the past now get paid handsomely this off yes. season and will be a focal point of this offense. Six most money, uh, to put a number on it last year, obviously he was dealing with Austin Hooper. Uh, it's just him and Harrison Bryant. Who's clearly the number two option in the preseason with the first team offense. He's played 39 to 42 snaps. I mean, that's full as full time as it gets. Um, and I think that he's going to absorb whatever Austin Hooper uh, had last year, plus what David Njoku had himself. And I think there's a chance that he just develops. Like clearly the Browns think he's going to be developing. Jacoby Brissett historically is thrown to his tight ends like a madman. And obviously the redacted quarterback comes in at the end of the season, probably upgrade the offense. So I think that David Njoku has a chance, like first round talent, like rare athletic abilities, crossing routes down the field in the red zone. He can kind of do it all. You just have to kind of squint and make it happen. But to me, like Cole Komet or David Njoku, I think David Njoku, they have the same role. Maybe Njoku is going to even run more routes. And I just think Njoku is better as a player. Yeah, I mean, the ADP difference between you have to take uh, Cole Komet at 117 overall and you can get David Njoku as 155 overall. So wait two or three rounds and we think you'll be rewarded. And you outlined it. His game is so unique for the position. He's an explosive downfield tight end. 35% of his targets last season were 10-plus yards down the field. And he's been an incredible yak threat on screens, which Kevin Stefanski loves. Jacob Brissett loves throwings to his tight ends. And he averaged seven yards per reception after the catch last year. That's fourth among all tight ends. I'm, you know it. I'm about to say it. Second contract or second team tight ends make the leap. And it's David Njoku's time. Okay, to round out this tier, we have Irv Smith, we have Hunter Henry. We know Irv is dealing with a thumb injury. We haven't seen him at all this preseason. I'm so shocked that he has 66 catches to his name because he feels like more of a myth than anything else. You want to say anything about Hunter Henry before we get out of here? Yeah, Hunter Henry last year was 100th overall. He ran really hot um, in the touchdown department, but he also was fifth in expected touchdowns. He's going to be the full-time player. Johnny Smith's going to play more, but that's basically absorbing the fullback snaps. They don't have a fullback in the offense, and that's where Johnny Smith snaps are going to come from. It's not going to come from Hunter Henry, so just kind of betting on the offense. I think the Patriots will be better than most people think, so I think that he's kind of one of those like touchdown or bust tight end twos. I don't think he'll be that fun to have in redraft leagues. He's more of a best ball pick for me. Tier five time. Good luck to you. If you're in your redraft league and you have to take one of these guys as your starting tight end again, and best ball, it's not the worst idea to Dr. Frankenstein and select three of these for your tight end one. Ultimately at the season's end, it starts off with Robert Tunyon, who we're still waiting to see full health, but maybe he is 
going to pick up the pieces of Devontae Adams and MVS leaving so many opportunities in the red zone. Uh, Tyler Higby, speaking of red zone, I mean, 18 red zone targets last season, Hayden. That was tied for fifth among all tight ends. He's been like the least efficient pass catcher in that area of the field, like across the league. But no team throws more often inside of the 10-yard line, inside the five-yard line than the Rams. And maybe this is the year it all lines up for Higby. This is where I'm just praying for just touchdown lux, and that's where I'm just sorting by the best offenses in the league. Tyler Higby, he was fourth in routes run in the red zone per game last year. Number five was Jared Cook, which is the Gerald Everett role um, in this Chargers offense. And like you said, at the top of this tier, Robert Tunyon, we've seen it before. We've complained about the wide receiver depth this entire offseason. If he does come back, and this might be something where in week four, he's like the waiver wire target, uh, and he's running a lot of routes. It will take some time. So this is a definitely a tough tier, but at least go with the Packers, Chargers, um, and Rams, in my opinion. Anyone else you want to hit on? You mentioned the Chargers and Gerald Everett. It, supposedly they brought in Everett because they thought his athleticism would give them even more explosive yards after the catch dynamic to their offense. And Herbert already had the third most yak of any quarterback in the league last year. And that obviously checks out with Gerald Everett's skill set because he was fifth among tight ends in yak in 2020. Yeah, some of the names I'm avoiding, like Mike Gesicki hasn't gotten that much nope. playing time. Uh, Noah Fant. Uh, I, I will throw out a couple couple of names. Like Evan Ingram's been uh, been out there with the Jaguars. We've seen him play reasonably well before. He's a tight end 11 and money. Cameron Brate, 8 of 11 first team snaps. He was uh, the tight end 7 and expected touchdowns. To me, Kyle Rudolph is just washed. Like he yep. just... He just can't play. So I think Cameron Brady's got a chance to kind of sneak in there. Um, Mo Ali Cox, Brevin Jordan, they're like full-time players in their offenses. They've, they've never done it before. Uh, and the offenses aren't truly elite. So this is the tier we're getting into. But some of these, like Alberto, like playing time concerns, Mike Gesicki, there's a couple landmines potentially uh, in this tier. Yeah, Evan Ingram, just keep in mind that Doug Peterson got Trey Burton paid, paid in Philadelphia as his second tight end. So I've always thought he has explosiveness and obviously Giants fans are now screaming at their screen saying, Hey man, he just drops the football. Uh, One really late name. I do want to bring up because after his preseason is Isaiah likely, you know, you might be able to get him in the last round of your leagues at home. Uh, I'm not sure if I would advocate taking him and Mark Andrews as a tight end handcuff, but Hayden, I think we could look back and say on the season that Isaiah likely has the third most receiving production on the Baltimore Ravens. Again, they love to run, Four tight end sets. You have your two pass catchers and Andrews and likely you have, you know, your, your blocking tight ends and Nick Boyle and they have Patrick Ricard as well. Like just the dynamic that those two guys can have. And it's the feel for zone that Andrews does so well that likely already has, he's already showcased at this preseason with Tyler Hunt. He's the rare tight end insurance to me. And I think it's a dynasty pick, but I, I have, I've taken those. I do think he's legitimately good. Like me too. I'm not sure if the volume's ever going to get there for, for your redraft league. Usually like I'm guessing if you're starting Isaiah likely, your team's pretty effed, but if Mark Andrews goes down, I think we would be freaking out on our like waiver wire shows. Okay. That's going to do it. This is our final tiers list for each position. We've done running backs, wide receivers accomplished, conquered quarterbacks as well. And here lastly was tight ends. If you've never checked out the channel, you've made it 34 minutes. Smash that subscribe button. Your season doesn't end with just your draft unless you're playing best ball, which is God's game. We want to stick with you through September, October, November, all throughout. We're going to have great content to help you win and to have a leg up on your competition. For Hayden Winks, I'm Josh Norris. We will talk to you next time. See you.